0: I think people appreciate that, our colleagues appreciate all of that, and people see what others do. They learn from the leadership around them. So that's why I think it's really important that we are aligned and that we are walking the walk and talking the talk.
1: I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me In conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. Welcome to In the Doctor's Chair, where today I'm looking forward to continuing conversations with executive directors on leadership and organizational health and well-being while exploring the future of work as we learn to live with the challenges posed by COVID-19. Today, Mary Buckley, executive director of the IDA, joins me in the doctor's chair. The IDA, also known as the Industrial Development Agency, was founded in 1949. And it is the Irish agency responsible for the attraction and retention of inward foreign direct investment into Ireland. Mary has been executive director of the IDA since 2015 and is a member of the executive leadership team in Ireland based in Dublin. Prior to this, Mary held a number of leadership roles across the IDA organization, including director of North America based in New York. A key priority for Mary is the successful execution of IDA Ireland's recently launched strategy driving recovery and sustainable growth 2021 to 2024. Welcome, Mary. If you're a leader who recognizes, particularly since COVID-19, that living with vitality and building a more resilient mind matter now more than ever for you and your team, then this podcast is for you. For further details, visit Dr. Mark Rowe. So I'm delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Mary Buckley, Executive Director of the IDA. Mary, you know, the last 18 months have been tough on everybody with the COVID pandemic. You know, in terms of how you lead, in terms of the IDA, how has it affected you?
0: I suppose, Mark, just to say, you know, COVID didn't prevent us from leading our teams or conducting our business. But one thing's for sure, we had to do it differently. So just to put things in a little bit of context for you, we have about 360 people in over 20 offices across the globe. So for us, COVID-19 started for our colleagues in Asia in January 2020 when our team in China had to work from home because the coronavirus impacted there first. And then that was extended in March across all our offices when, if you recall... The Thonishta announced the working from home um, regs when he was in New York for St. Patrick's Day, involved in a number of different meetings. When that hit us and hit us out of the blue, there was huge uncertainty for everyone at the time. And really what that meant for us in IDA was obviously we had to look at our people and our business. And, you know, as a leadership team, we came together under the direction of our CEO Martin and Shannon. And we had really two very strong areas of focus. One was the safety and the well-being of our teams, both in Ireland and then globally. And we always have a huge sense of duty of care to our teams and our people. And then the second was obviously being very close to our almost 1600 clients um, that are uh, based here in Ireland. And obviously with their parent activities around the globe uh, because we recognized that they would be grappling with all of the challenges of COVID-19 as well. So we had to put kind of new structures and new teams in place quickly to ensure that we understood the challenges that our clients were facing and also to ensure that the government supports that were being made, made available were being understood and, and available to our own clients across the globe. And as part of all of that, of course, We had to educate our own colleagues on what those supports were. So there was a huge amount of work involved as well in all of that. And I suppose just to add to all of that as well was we also had a very small but a very effective team working very closely with HSE at the time, sourcing some vital medical supplies from across the globe. And that was very much at the start of the pandemic. So all of those things came and and really hit us in March 2020.
1: And in what way has the pandemic tested you as an organization over the past 18 months?
0: Well, I think really it's true to say it's tested us in many ways, I suppose. One of the key things I think I'd have to say is that we had a number of advantages as an organization. And probably the two that stand out to me is um, as an organization, IDA has been a team of people that are really motivated and really committed. Mm -hmm. And they're very much high performing and they're agile and they're flexible. And they had the ability to pivot quickly. Um, And the second thing I'd say is that we were very fortunate and that we had just invested in um, an IT device refresh. So that enabled us to work from home seamlessly, immediately. So I suppose being conscious then of our people... And the change that happened for them overnight, there was a lot of fears, concerns, and they had responsibilities for loved ones. And so we had to do things differently and we had to amplify our engagement with our teams through really enhancing all of the communication tools, just working to ensure that we were communicating clearly and transparently, even really when we didn't have any answers to questions or we didn't really know what was happening. And I think of particular importance and something that was hugely successful with our colleagues right across the globe was an initiative around having really regular online town hall engagements led by the CEO, you know, bringing colleagues from all over the globe together and really promoting, I suppose, the whole idea of psychological safety, enabling colleagues to discuss how they were feeling and how they were managing it as well, answering their questions and sometimes really just listening to the views of our team so that we really could engage with them in a frank and in an open manner. What we were trying to do really was to bring some certainty in, ver- in a very uncertain world. And as I mentioned, working to ensure that our teams trusted us it really in the very fast decisions that we had to make at the time and very conscious of course that the home working environment was very different for our teams they weren't just working from home they were also responsible for childcare elder care and many other responsibilities during covid and not to mind you know obviously having family members who may unfortunately have you know picked up the illness um, so You know, on the back of that, we had to pivot as well and introduce Mm -hmm. more flexible working hours uh, for our people to be able to work and to to take care of others if they needed to. Um, Our managers had to help hold almost daily meetings with their teams in the beginning. We ran health and well-being sessions. Colleagues also gave a lot of their own time and expertise. I think one of the biggest things for us is, bearing in mind all that was going on, was making sure that everyone was included on all of the different initiatives that were happening, because as I said, we have people operating all over the globe. So, you know, the virtual environment was hugely helpful to all of that.
1: Mm, And I think you really highlight really the importance of culture here, Mary, in terms of, you know, caring, communication, concern for people, not just as as work colleagues, but in terms of the family dynamics and situations that each person uh, was experiencing and I really think that sense of, of of good communication and and connection is so, so important. You know, now as we're I won't quite say we're necessarily emerging from COVID, but maybe we're living with COVID more and certainly we're we're in a very strong position in terms of vaccination. What do you think about hybrid working, Mary, for your organization going forward?
0: Look, for us, there is a huge focus for our employees on enhancing really the employee experience. Um, And I do think if you look forward at it, it's certainly now a priority for employers, first of all, as they look to to retain the talent they have, but also to attract talent. Um, And I think there's a huge number of areas there that are important from employee engagement, managing people's well-being, the whole area of trust, fairness, safety and productivity. They're all really important considerations in formulating a hybrid working strategy. I've mentioned building trust, and that's been really for us, uh, you know, a win in the whole area of remote working during the pandemic. Uh, And it's hugely important for the future. I think it's also important to remember that working from home can be great for one person's well-being, but may not be so good for Mm. another's. Uh, So, you know, the need to have face-to-face engagement with others, you know, is still something I think that's hugely important. I couldn't agree with you
1: more, Mary. I think, you know, we are social creatures and we do need that direct human connection.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things about, you know, being in the office, and I think it's been identified, is that, you know, for people to be able to learn and to train, to Hmm. collaborate, to innovate and to brainstorm, that really is done best by that sort of face-to-face interaction. So I suppose when you look at all of that, the office of the future is going to be really, really different And for us in IDA, we were really lucky that in 2019, we moved towards activity based working in Dublin in our global head office. And over time, that's going to be uh, rolled out across the organization. So we've introduced collaborative working spaces, team meeting rooms, hub spaces uh, for engaging, you know, right across the board with others. So for our team now, you know, in head office in Dublin, There's kind of a different way of working than the traditional way we worked prior to 2019. So that will be advantageous for us, I think, as well now as we, you know, return to the office. Um, We've also introduced the hybrid working environment. So going from, you know, a one day a week now to two days a week working from home. And that's very much in line with the, the government's remote strategy Uh, that was recently launched. And again, you know, there's work involved in all of that. There's training required, both of our managers and of our colleagues to make sure it's working and really making sure as well that there is equality diversity and inclusion in all aspects of all of that and what we're doing.
1: Mm, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the word that really resonates with me most loudly is that word flexibility. And of course, COVID has been such a massive disruptor uh, in terms of how we think about the culture and nature of work. And as you rightly said, some people will love to work from home for other people, you know, that may not work for them as well at all. So it's about being flexible, being adaptable and and figuring out what what suits the people and the organization best.
0: Look, it certainly is, and you know every organization has a different culture. You know, and it is culture is the organization's behaviour. It tells us how things are done, and it gui- it's very much guided by the organization's purpose and its values. Um, and I think it's no, it's more important, you know, during times of challenge like COVID nineteen that there is a good culture in place. And the most important thing in, in times like this is, is that the culture is understood and that's lived by everyone in the organization. But I think particularly by the leadership and management mm-hmm. team, you know, where you're walking the walk and talking the talk and demonstrating agility, uh, integrity, you know, ambition, accountability, and and very much being people-centric. So when you spend a little time in an organization, you do get a sense of the culture whether it's perceived to be a healthy culture or maybe not. And in order to change culture, you have to change behaviours. And that can require a lot of patience and a lot of time. I'm also very conscious that the culture of today is evolving, you know, as we look very much around the whole area of equality, diversity and inclusion. Um, we're also looking at corporate social responsibility, which is ED&I is a big part of. And the sustainability agendas as well. Yes. Uh, These are really important uh, for, again, you know, holding on, retaining our talent and attracting new talent. And that sense of purpose. The culture is is hugely important in that regard.
1: Yes. And of course, from a leadership perspective, actions do speak louder than words. Just a thought I had, Mary, while I was listening to you there about culture. Do you believe that Ireland has its own culture in terms of, you know, when you're selling Ireland to foreign direct investment? How would you describe the culture of of Ireland itself?
0: Yeah, we have a, a a great culture, I think. And uh, in that regard, one of the things uh, we would be well known for is obviously, you know, our approachability. Uh, we're quite an open uh, country. And I think that that's really positive. One of the other things as well, uh, I would be hugely conscious of is the diverse labor force that's here now. So I think everybody can see that the country is quite diverse with about 16 percent of the labour force are international. So I think that, you know, has a huge impact as well on our culture. Um, But I think we're very warm and welcoming. And as I said, that we're quite well networked and connected. And um, I think in that regard, when we're selling Ireland and when people come to view Ireland, they appreciate very, very well that connectedness that's there and the sense from people of wanting to help, wanting things to, to happen. Um, And, you know, I think as a country, we're always looking forward with some really good policies in place. And of course, we're, you know, very positive Europeans as well. So yes, I I think we do have a good culture. And, you know, we have 1600 companies here employing over 257,000 people. So I think that tells us, you know, Mm -hmm. that we have, we're, we are doing things well, and we are doing things right. And, you know, if you're to look at the work culture, we are a very inquisitive uh, group of people. And, you know, we often share our thoughts. Uh, And I think that for innovation, that's exactly what employers want. They want you to be articulating some of the challenges, some of the opportunities, and that hugely helps innovation. And so, yeah, we're, we're a very good country in that regard
1: well they don't call us the land of the saints and scholars for no reason i think as well ireland it has such a great culture of of giving and and volunteering and volunteerism and uh, i think you know we we have great strengths uh, as a nation as you, as you articulated can i ask you mary in terms of post covid now heading into 2022 what do you think of kind of health and well-being supports that organizations offer do you think that's changing in terms of how they see what they should be doing and in terms of people joining organizations?
0: Uh, absolutely. Everybody, I think today is much more conscious of, of health and well-being. And yeah, without a doubt, you know, people within organizations are more con- conscious of it. The whole area of work-life balance is hugely important, but also for people that are looking at prospective employers. I think there's a number of things that they look at, and I think. Health and well-being is one uh, that's of particular importance, Uh, simply because, you know, many people are are, uh, today are more conscious um, of being healthy and, uh, you know, employers have honed in on that. And so there's a lot being offered in that regard to make it attractive for people. But absolutely, it is really important that employers are providing uh, facilities and services in that regard. Because at the end of the day, you know, it does absolutely help productivity. And that's really important for any employer uh, to ensure that health and well-being uh, is a priority.
1: I think they've shown in the states that the return on investment is in the order of at least three to one. Uh, And of course, then there's the value on investment as well, in terms of people being more inclined to stay with that organization, loyalty and so on. So and reducing the risk of absenteeism and burnout. So I think there are a lot of really compelling uh, reasons to have a sustainable well-being program in place
0: Uh, look you're absolutely right there's all of those benefits as well you know and and without a doubt healthy mind and body it does help motivation uh, and and morale and it is just good to see people feeling well and being well and i think for any organization for any teams that's a big part of, of being successful
1: and it's it's interesting for me when you sometimes see companies as well, and they, they do have a great well-being program, and they also do something and it benefits their their community, whether it's a fundraiser or a, or a chargeable walk or run. I mean, there's so many good things being done all around the country.
0: Oh, there really is. And, you know, I have to say, I couldn't exclude our own organization in that regard. You know, there was a lot of events taking place. And one of the key things from our own CSR perspective is that uh, this year, our, our nominated charity is Deborah Ireland. And so... Oh, Oh, yes. Right across the teams, there's a huge amount of fundraising taking place. Um, and that's that's just great to see everybody, you know, being involved and wanting to be involved in, you know, such an important uh, charity. But also, I think as well as an organization, uh, you know, we have invested in well-being has been hugely important to us. And, you know, one of the things that we did this year during covid uh, was ergonomic testing of uh, people's work environment and the mm. homework environment. Yes. Um, and if ergonomic seating was required or if a monitor was required just to, to help, we were able to provide that. And that was hugely appreciated by our colleagues. Again, it was it's a small piece, uh, but hugely important in the area of, you know, having a good, healthy home working environment as well so there's lots of different areas that's hugely important and you know employers don't have to do it all our you know our quality diversity and inclusion team ran a lot of quizzes and events and events you know throughout COVID um events to mark you know national dates of of importance um and uh you know they also got people involved and you know I think everybody was very much uh, bought into a lot of the events that were taking place. And of course, at the end of the day, when we're doing all of these uh, events, there's great team building in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have a, a great interest in making sure as well that we're not too serious all the time, that we have an opportunity to have a little bit of fun. And there's nothing better to see colleagues, you know, laughing. And all of that, I think, is hugely important. We've provided yoga, mindfulness classes, and indeed, very, very, very fortunate. Uh, to have an independent employee assistance program that's uh, in place uh, for our colleagues. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's uh, something that's independent. Um, it's confidential and it's operating 365 days of the year. And uh, that's something I think that, uh, you know, is beneficial uh, to have in place for colleagues should they need, feel the need to discuss anything. And it's not just COVID. It's well beyond that. But things that are causing them concern
1: and worry. I think the ergonomics piece is really important. You know, I see so many people that suffer with uh, neck and and back pain and uh, increasingly people are spending more of their day sitting down at a computer and so on. And while many workplaces will have looked at the ergonomics, of course, with COVID people working from home, they were often with a laptop on the kitchen table or on the couch or or whatever. So I think that was very innovative and uh, forward looking to do that. And I think a huge benefit as well.
0: Yeah. And I, I suppose one of the things as well throughout COVID that I think became absolutely uh, important and it's always been important to us, but, you know, demonstrating strong empathy with our people because there were so diff- many different situations and many environments. As I said, we have people working all over the globe. So there was different things happening at different times with different impact. And, you know, there were other things happening in the States uh, besides COVID with a lot of racial tensions, et cetera. So. All of that has to be factored in as well. So, you know, we were going through very challenging times. So, you know, again, recognizing health and well-being, I think empathy is is a key piece of all of that from a leadership and management team and from colleagues to colleagues across our organization.
1: So, Mary, how would you define leadership and, and then who do you most admire and why?
0: For me, leadership really has many facets. It really provides a vision to a team. Uh, And that vision very much needs to be aligned with the organization's strategy or the organization's goals. So in defining leadership, I think, you know, it is about motivating a team to achieve, to achieve the goals or the strategy by providing clarity, guiding and influence and through decision making, which, of course, has to be aligned with the values of the organization Um, I I often summarize it as uh, bringing people with you to achieve a goal. Um, And a key element of that, of course, is building trust, I think, which is probably uh, increasingly achieved to being able to bring our our authentic self to work. And I think that's something that's hugely important. And I think as well, our colleagues recognize when you are being authentic uh, as a leader. And so I think that's something that's very, very important in the whole area of leadership.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, Mary. I think authenticity is absolutely key to being seen as a real, genuine leader.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's uh, obviously something that uh, we're hearing a lot about today. And, you know, it's uh, moving towards a different type of leadership, but it is the right type of leadership. And it does go back again uh, to the point that I was speaking about earlier about an organization's values and mission and aligning all of those together. And that's to me is where you really have good, strong leadership if all of those are connected. I think people appreciate that. Our colleagues appreciate all of that. And people see what others do. They learn from the leadership around them. So that's why I think it's really important that we are aligned and that we are walking the walk and
1: talking the talk. Absolutely. And who do you most admire, Mary, and why?
0: Well, I, I have a lot of people that I admire uh, right across the board. And some of them are colleagues within my own organization. And some are, you know, people that I've met over the years. And, yes. Uh, so there isn't any one particular person that I admire. I admire a lot of people for many different reasons. Some have overcome adversity and mm-hmm. challenges and broken the glass ceiling and many things like that. But uh, we had an annual conference virtually earlier on this year, and uh, I interviewed Chris Hyams, who's the CEO of Indeed, and he really opened up about diversity inclusion and belonging and in indeed and I found really his contributions were hugely inspiring and very much enjoyed the engagement with him and, and and across the board there's lots of people that I would recognize that are in leadership in Ireland you know our former presidents Mary McAleese and Mary Robinson again you know uh, terrific achievements as presidents of Ireland so look there's many people that do a lot of things and I've probably left a lot of very good people out. But um, at that level, uh, they're just the people that come to mind at the moment.
1: Well, you know, the old Stoic philosophers, thousands of years ago, were great proponents of having mentors and having people that you admired, and you could admire their their good qualities and, and try and live up to them in your in your own life. Have you benefited from from mentorship throughout your career, Mary, or or do you have have you had an opportunity to mentor others?
0: Uh, absolutely, uh, mentoring is a big part of our work in Ida, and uh, uh, mentoring and coaching are are two, you know areas of development for our colleagues right across the board, including myself um, over the years. Um, And, you know, one of the things I like in mentoring or having a buddy is it's a fantastic mechanism for, you know, seeking some advice. Um, And uh, often, again, you know, if people have concerns or worried, it's great to have somebody that you can trust. And I think that's one of the biggest elements to the relationship is having a trusting relationship with the mentor, that's built on confidentiality and respect. And, you know, after that, then it can be a formal mentor or it can be somebody informally. I'm always very conscious that throughout my career in IDA, I worked with many managers and uh, and many of them I would have reported into. And they were actually mentors to me and they may not have realized it. But just by the way they're operated, their style, hugely beneficial for me. And, you know, sometimes I think it's really important that we don't all have the answers and we don't all have the right answers sometimes. So it's important to be able to do really a self-check on yourself. And, you know, in that regard, mentoring can be hugely beneficial, you know, if you're trying to approach an action or an item. Um, And that, I think, is true if it's something that's uh, an important item that you can have the benefit of the confidentiality of a mentor.
1: Absolutely. No man is an island, as they say, and and we all need support and guidance. Mary, how do you stay healthy yourself?
0: Well, um, uh, how I stay healthy is in um, a number of ways, really. And uh, I suppose for me, one of the first things I, I do like to do is to get exercise. And I suppose that was instilled in me, you know, as. As a child, I was always involved in in something or other uh, sports wise. So for me, uh, I do like to go out and about and get my exercise um, and doing that either on my own or with company. So with friends or with family, I really enjoy all of that. Also, of course, you know, during covid there wasn't an awful lot else to do except, you know, head out for walks with people within the two mile kilometre, the two kilometre distance, um, and I thought that was really, really nice, you know, to be able to do that and to have the time to do it, uh, and that's important. I also think staying healthy for me goes back to an earlier point: It's having a little fun and um, laughing a lot, um, not taking things too seriously. And one of the things I really missed during lockdown is that sense of fun and that uh, team spirit uh, when you're in the office, because no matter how long your days are, how much work you're doing. I think there's always time to have a cup of coffee, have a chat with somebody, and usually in there, there's an opportunity to have some fun and to laugh. So that's hugely important for me. And I suppose finally, one of the things I do as well is I do try to to have my five a day of you know fruit and veg, and that's probably uh, the best thing I I do as well. So they're the kind of things I do or. For my health and well-being
1: So what I've heard you say there is Firstly, eat like a champion Two, exercise, which I call the greatest pill of all, of course And three, laughter And maybe laughter is the best possible medicine And there is research in the States that shows that, you know Laughter um, is good for your heart Because you release oxytocin and nitric oxide And open up those coronary arteries And de-stress you from the toxicity of everyday life
0: Yeah, I'd well believe it
1: can I ask you, Mary, could you give three take homes for our listeners for a resilient mind?
0: Well, I suppose for me, all the above that I mentioned from yeah. you know, exercise to healthy eating, I think are hugely important. And um, as we said there, you know, laughter is the best medicine. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's true and good company with it. Um, you know, I, I think for a resilient mind, sometimes, you know, we have to sometimes grab the bull by the horns for me anyway, just to break some bad habits um, and change my mindset to form new. And, you know, during COVID, there's there's a lot of stress around uh, for people. And I think that that, you know, is one of the big things that I think people, you know, would have been anxious and worried. And I think very much one of the big things that I would be conscious of is surrounding yourself with positive people people that are supportive of you people that you can share your thoughts and concerns with and uh, that you know I think is important as well as being positive about yourself and you know waking up in the morning and saying positive things and doing positive things I think as well you know having people that you you can talk to be it a family member be it your manager uh, another colleague Uh, I think that's hugely important, particularly as challenges arise. And I think trying to do all of that early to lighten the load, if you have worries and concerns, uh, is important. And, you know, as we hear now about a healthy mind, it's important to know that it's okay, you know, not to be okay. And it's important that you talk through things. We have mindfulness, we have meditation and yoga that I, I think are great. initiatives to use, but also I think having people that you can trust and that you can talk to certainly helps. Of course, I couldn't uh, exclude sleep. Something that I could probably do with a little more of is, you know, making sure that people sleep well and get a good night's sleep. And sometimes people find that challenging, but it does help resilience. And that's something that we're well advised on if we can to, to get a good night's sleep.
1: Well, they're all great suggestions, Mary, and I think you've really highlighted there so succinctly how interconnected every aspect of your health and well-being really is. So, Mary, you mentioned earlier in the podcast conversation about the importance of listening. You know, in terms of your own organization, have you taken feedback from your own people and how do you value feedback?
0: We absolutely value feedback. And yes, um, we have uh, in many ways, uh, a lot of what we do uh, is listening and asking questions. So with our managers right through COVID, we would have asked them to obviously engage very regularly with our colleagues and ask them uh, to find out, you know, what's going on and to to brief us uh, as to how people were feeling and reacting. And that dictated, you know, a lot of our responses internally. But earlier on this year, then as part of getting that feedback, We had a survey of all of our colleagues across the organization uh, on COVID and how uh, they felt throughout it and how the organization was responding to COVID. And, you know, it it garnered, uh, obviously, a lot of response. And uh, we were pleased with the responses that we received. We got very positive feedback overall on how we were performing as an organization throughout COVID. And also, it gave us uh, some areas to hone in on. Uh, areas to improve on in the feedback. And we've been actively working on all of that since uh, to enable uh, us to make sure that we are um, doing things uh, as best uh, we can for our colleagues and our team. And I suppose the part two of that is once we are back into the office again, you know, uh, we will, you know, again, engage with our colleagues on a survey again to anticipate um Uh, you know how things are going as we return to the office and you know part and parcel of of all of that as well was to seek out and to find out how they were finding remote working and was it something that they wanted for the future as well Um, and hence we have now moved to introducing for colleagues two days of homeworking and that's right across the organization and Obviously, depending then on your your how you work whether it's full time or part time, um, it's pro-rates in that basis. But up to two days a week, if you want to work from home, there'll be others that won't, and there may be others as well that can't by nature of the roles. But it's it's something that was based really on on some of the feedback that we received from our colleagues. So lots of good initiative. Feedback is hugely important to us, and it gives us direction.
1: That's great. So what you're saying is you, you listen. Uh, You learn from the feedback you get. And then in terms of leadership throughout the organization, you implement those changes.
0: Absolutely. Uh, As best we can, we work to implement. And it goes back to your earlier comment around listening to uh, the feedback. And you can listen. uh, And I think the, the truth is really in the actions afterwards, you know, by trying to take on board as many of the points that are raised as we can.
1: Thank you for listening to my podcast in the doctor's chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website drmarkrow.com.